there will be people in the congregation that will feel like, Pastor Ron, you're spending money on externals. You need to know when I read the Old and the New Testament, I don't find any problem with that. In that early childhood department this weekend, we as a congregation need to pray that the next Billy Graham is in that children's department this weekend, possibly this service. We need to pray that the next Bill Hybels, that the next Rick Warren, the great men and women of God that we've seen over the the course of the last century, we need to pray that the next Billy Sunday, the next Albert Finney, the next Charles Spurgeon, we need to pray that they are in our early childhood department this weekend. And if we can do things of investing a small amount of our treasure in capturing their minds that Christ would have the opportunity to capture their heart. Friends, I don't know of anything else in the world that I would rather invest in. If we're going to make these goals, it'll be because every single family. Cornerstone has about 1,000 families. You say, Ron, you mean you need everyone to participate? Absolutely. But is there anything better than an entire congregation coming together with a genuine heart for the next generation? Friends, I, if there is, I don't know what it is. I am glad for what God has blessed my family with so that I can in turn be a blessing to reach children and literally around the globe as we expand just beyond our community to touch people with the the truth of Jesus Christ in their lives. All right, enough about the external of what we're going to do in next. Let's get to the internal. Let's start our teaching time. Take a look with me in your sermon notes. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalms chapter 139. I'm reading from the New International Version today. And what I'd like you to glean from this scripture is God knows you. Turn the person next to you and say, God knows you. And he likes you anyway. (laughs) One of the things that we struggle with from time to time is this idea that somehow God is afar off, that he's somehow an absentee landlord, that somehow he's going to return someday, but until that point, he's just uninvolved with what's happening in our lives. And so I wanted you to hear the words of the psalmist David. I wanted you to hear that his perspective on how well God knows us. Take a look with me at verse 1 of chapter 139. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together while in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Would you underline that line? That's a phrase every Christ follower should know. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. During our teaching time each weekend, as we deal with the internal next, what we're striving for is that we would accept and we would reach for the very best next that God has for us. But if we're going to reach the best next that God has, we're going to have to let go of some things behind us. There are a couple of patterns that I'd like to talk to you about today that most of us at one time or another live in. The two patterns that I'm going to describe to you, you're going to recognize I've lived in them, you have lived in them. But if we're going to have the very best next that God intends for each of us as individuals, and I believe God has a best next 
for each one of us as individuals. If we're going to, to capture that, we're going to have to let go of some of the patterns that keep us trapped where we're at. This first one, take a look in your notes with me. Look at letter A. Personal next requires a never-go-back attitude. Never go back to what wasn't working in our lives. Let's look at the first pattern. Never again be someone you're not. It takes time for you to get to know you but if you haven't had that time, be smart. Listen to someone wise and with nothing to gain. Now, the truth of the matter is I'm old. Go ahead and tell the person next to you, no, he really is old. Go ahead. It's true. I've lived long enough to figure out who I am. I've lived long enough for my hair to fall out. I mean, I, I mean, just I've lived a, a long time. I was in Chicago this last week, uh, Pastor Josh and Pastor Ron Baum. And if you hear me say RB, just you need to know I'm talking about Ron Baum. The three of us were back there for a, a training on helping determine vision and strategic planning the, for organizations, especially churches. And so we sat through several days of training there. And it, it was a wonderful time. Se met several other, other just really really sold out Christ followers. It was a lot of fun. But afterwards, I, I was sitting uh, at dinner and a man who works with several organizations, he came to, uh, took us all to dinner and, and he turned to me and he said, you know, Pastor Ron, the, could you see yourself going out and doing this training for other churches? And I, I know that he was kind of anticipating because everyone was excited about the training and I, I told him, I said, truthfully, no. I want to be a help to other churches. I want to be a blessing to especially small churches. And so to do that, I would be happy to send either Josh or RB. But the truth of the matter is, I probably wouldn't do it. And he kind of looked at me quizzically, and I, I said, I know myself well enough. Going and staying in hotels by myself, I, I'll just be honest, I can't stand it. I mean, I, I love to travel with my wife, I love traveling with my family, but going and staying in a hotel just depresses the snot out of me. I just, I just can't take it. And so, you know, going and doing that, and I, I said, and going and training other churches, I, I, those people would be strangers to me. I took it very literally, literally what Pastor Ron was talking about. When my mom taught me he, not to talk to strangers, you know, I took that seriously. I mean, I really don't like to. In fact, as well as I know you, I, I don't even like to talk to you to be candid, and I'm sorry, I wish I did. But after service, I'm going to shake 32 hands because at 33, I turn into a pumpkin. I mean, I just can't take too much of it. And those of you who are dying for a hug, find Josh, find RB, find one of the staff. Dear Lord, keep your hands off me. And so, you know, you see, my wife, she's small, but she's wiry. She will beat you, okay? And so, you know, just it's just, it's not me. But that's because I've had time. And what made me think about it is he said, you know, Pastor Ron, you're very self-aware. I said, yeah, that's because I'm as old as Methuselah. I've had time to figure it out. If you haven't had that time, if you haven't had time to really weigh over who you are as a person and what's an appropriate fit in relationships, what's an appropriate fit in career, what's an appropriate fit in several areas of your life, be wise enough to allow someone who loves you, someone who cares about you, someone who's wise themselves to speak into that, to say to you, you know, I, I'm not sure that's a great fit for you, or yeah, this is a wonderful fit. Look at the next one with me. Letter B, partner, marry, staff, avoid, or plan around your weaknesses, but don't group around your weaknesses. You'd be amazed at how many people have, have a, a deficiency in their abilities and so they connect with other people with the same deficiency. You know, I'll find people go into business and I'll ask, are you a vision person or a detail person? They'll say, you know, Pastor Ron, I, I'm a, a vision person. 
and I'll ask, what is your partner? My partner's a vision person too. And so I'm thinking, great. So you're gonna have grand ideas and no one's gonna pay the rent on time because that's exactly what happens. Group, marry, connect. In other words, around the areas where we're not quite as strong, Debbie and I over the years have made a wonderful team. I'm someone that can see tomorrow and the next year and five years, I can see those things clearly, but I can't remember to get all of the, the bills put together. And to be honest, it just bores me to death. But Debbie, she's one of those detail persons. She worked in a bank. She was a teller. She makes things balanced. How many of you are either online or with paper balance your checkbook each month? Raise your hand if you're a balancer. Okay, you're a detail person. My wife, if there's money missing, she is going to hunt it down. I mean, that's just that's just her nature. She is not going to let it go. And friends, someone at stores, they're going to charge her correctly because if not, if she has to go back and get that 34 cents, they are going to cough it up, baby. I mean, she is just someone that, man, the details, she's all over those things. So it's been a wonderful partnership. You know, our bills get paid on time. I work hard to, to go out and, and plan for the future, and she does a fantastic job of taking care of today, today. Make sure you're putting yourself in connections with others that are going to fill in the gaps in your life. I have a huge gap when it comes to a lot of those details, so I am careful that I have others in my life that are good at that. Here at the church, we have a wonderful staff, the accounting department. They make me so proud because the bills get paid on time at Cornerstone. I was going, every once in a while, I force myself to go back and look through old invoices just as, as a precaution to something senior pastors are supposed to do. We go back and look, make sure things are being paid, make sure that the bills are, are correct. We just spot check those things. And I asked them to pull me four or five bills, and as I was thumbing through them, I found a late charge. When I saw that, I, I walked into the accounting office and I said, this must be a mistake. I, in other words, I made the assumption that it was an error. And they said, Pastor Ron, absolutely, that was an error on their part. We called them, we showed them the payment, they reversed that charge, and, and I was good with that. Because the idea of Cornerstone being late on something is just beyond the pale. We just don't do that. Friends, you are very faithful with your giving and we are good stewards of what you entrust to us. We want the reputation of the church of the community to be an outstanding one. But I couldn't do that. And so I've made sure that we are staffed by people who can. Are you being as careful in your life to see who you are, to see where your weaknesses are, and to have others speaking into those areas so that they don't become a hindrance to you? Look at letter C with me. Being who you are will enhance your performance and will speed up time. Now, some of you think, no, Pastor Ron, you know, time doesn't, you can't speed it up, you can't slow it down, it is what it is. That's not true. I want you to think about things that when you're working on them, man, you are just, you just, time just flies by. I was asking Pastor Josh and Pastor Ron Baum, I said, what makes time slow down for you? And they both thought about it a few minutes, and then Ron Baum, we were on a plane, he leaned over to me. He said, Ron, if I want time to stop, I just get on the treadmill. If I just start working out, time just stops. And you know, I, I can understand that. There's a lot of things, though, that makes time speed up. Every
every Wednesday, my wife comes in and she works in the church office, runs early childhood department, and, and she, really, she really enjoys it and she's good at it. And so at about five o'clock, I'll call her and, and I'll, I'll just have that hopeful sound in my voice. Honey, are, are we going home anytime soon? And she'll say to me, let me call you back in 10 minutes. At six o'clock, I'll then call her again and I'll sound like I'm starving. Say, honey, is there any food in our future? Now, she'll usually say back to me, you look like you could miss a few meals and it would be all right. I'm not sure what she means by that. Doesn't sound very loving, but you know, she just lets me know that might not be the end of the world if I did get dinner right away. But that hour, it flies by for her because she is in the flow. She is in the zone and there's been a lot of research done. When you find the areas to work in that God created you for, that God created you as an organism, an organism in the right environment will thrive. Time can speed up. And when you're not, time will begin to slow down. Take a look at this next one. Here's an exception. Sometimes you're going to have to do things for a while that aren't really you for a reason that truly is you. In other words, sometimes you'll do things just because you love other people. That's an important one. Sometimes you have responsibilities or obligations or bills. Or sometimes you'll make a sacrifice as God directs you. Just don't stay there too long. I've had people over the years say, you know, Pastor Ron, this area of ministry is not really me, but I saw the church had a need and I knew that I could do that for a while until we found someone else or God, you know, opened up the next door for me and they did it just out of a desire to help and they were acknowledging, you know, I'm just gonna sacrifice who I am as a, an individual for the, the greater good and I can do that for a while. Absolutely. Sometimes, especially in your early career, you're gonna be in a job that's not truly you. I recognize that. You're doing it because you want to meet your bills, you want to meet your obligations, and I'm proud of you for that. What I'm saying, though, is when you recognize this is not really me, be cautious about staying there too long. It, uh, it prevents you from truly thriving and grasping the very best next that God has for you. Let's look at the second pattern. Now, the first one takes discipline. The second one, though, it takes discipline Plus, it's a heart issue. The second pattern, never again try to be, I'm sorry, never again try to change someone else. Now, this one's going to get tough. And so go ahead and turn the person next to you and say, I think this may be hard. Go ahead. I think this may be hard. And I can tell you why this one will be hard. It's because your motives are absolutely what they ought to be. You try and change the people around you because you love them because you want the very best for them, because you want to protect them, because you, you want to see them be successful, because you want them to be happy. All of those things are motives of the, of the purest kind. You want to change the people around you, not out of a desire to manipulate or control. And I, I realize there are some people that have that problem. I recognize that. But most people, it's not out of a desire to manipulate or control for most people, it's out of genuine love. It's out of genuine concern or compassion. Your motives are absolutely great, but your methodology is absolutely wrong. And this, that's why this one's going to be hard. You have to break out of the pattern of trying to change the people around you. It will prevent you from embracing the best next that Christ has for you as long as you stay trapped in this pattern. Now, some of you may say, well, Ron, how do I know I'm in that pattern? Look back at your notes. How do you know that you're stuck there? 
you feel frustration, you feel low-grade frustration towards them, bordering on anger, and you're always using phrases like, I just don't understand them. Why can't they see this? This would help them so much. They could have a much better future. They could end this pain they keep going through. They could break out of the destructive pattern that they're in. You say these things, friends, these are all signs that you are caught up in the pattern of trying to change someone else. The fundamental problem is God created you and he created others and he created us with the ability to choose. And God did not take the ability to choose from them and give it to me. And he didn't give it to you either. Do you have one or two or several in your life that as you look at them, you are just desperately hoping you can change them? Look at the next one with me. Some examples of people you try to fix. You try and fix the critical person. In other words, you try and help them not to be so negative. So you're continually trying to help them see the bright side, help them be more positive about everything. You, you try and help the addicted person. And so they've been in and out of your home several times. They, they come and stay with you when they go on a bender and, and then they promise, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna do this. And they feel that you look at them and they are so repentant and they feel so badly. Your compassion takes over and you remain in this pattern. Time after time, you bring them into the home and then when you see that it's having a negative impact on your children or your family, you say, no, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to leave and out they go again. Friends, this is a pattern people live for decades, not months, literally decades. Or you try and fix the irresponsible person, the underperforming employee, the disapproving parent. You know, if I could just get them to do this, or the immature person. Friends, all of these are projects that we take on that we should change them. I'm telling you quite candidly, this is a mistake and it prevents you from grasping the best next that God has for you. And truthfully, you are preventing the very best next for them as well. But I admit this is terribly hard because your motives are so positive. In fact, they are so positive you convince yourself that you have to do these things. You convince yourself that there are no other choices. I'll, I'll point out for you that yes, there are other choices. Skip over letter C. I'll come back to it in just a minute. Go to letter D with me. So we go ahead and nag them, or we withdraw from them, or we try and micromanage them, or otherwise try to control them. We end up with little change, little genuine long-lasting change, and we end up with a broken relationship. In other words, we do damage not only to ourselves, but to them and even to the bond between us. Those are results of trying to change or fix someone else. Why is this so dangerous? Because we are stepping into the role that God has reserved for himself and that God has reserved for them. God in that equation did not put us in as the one who would change. His Holy Spirit touches people's hearts, draws them, and gives them the opportunity to choose the best next that God has. Now, I said I'd come back to see, influencing and mentoring are different. That's about helping them, helping them realize their, their vision, realize their potential. This isn't about satisfying me or me being less frustrated with them. In fact, oftentimes, they in this process will choose a path that, man, I, I am so disappointed they chose that path. 
but it's because it's the wrong path for me, not necessarily the wrong path for them. Be aware mentoring is different. I'm talking about where we are trying to fix someone we perceive as broken. Letter E, let's talk about how we can handle it. What are our choices? You can make, I'm sorry, you can't make decisions for them, but you get to make decisions for you. Go ahead and turn the person next to you and say, I can't change other people. But now say to them, but I get to make decisions for me. I get to make decisions for me. Now, some of you, that's a hard thing to say because you've kind of gotten this idea that, well, no, 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 I, I should be able to change them. Or you have abdicated responsibility and you don't, even, you don't want to make decisions for you. You want it someone else. You have become the person that continually needs someone else to direct or fix or change. Friends, we can't change others, and God has given us the will to make changes and the will to choose a different path for ourselves. So, I can't change them. I can't make decisions for them, but God gives me the opportunity to make changes for me. So, how will I do this? What will I do to break this pattern? Here's the process. Number one, Roman numeral one under letter E. I'm going to set boundaries for how their choices will influence my choices. Let me say it for you. I'm going to set boundaries for how their choices will influence your choices. Now, some of you have gone through this process of having uh, someone with an addiction. Now, let's just, can we just not pretend here? How many of you have a loved one who battles an addiction? Raise your hand if you've got a loved one. Okay, let's not, let's not be the kind of church where we have to pretend that we don't have people who have financial problems or addiction problems or marital problems or breaches of trust. Let, let's not be the kind of church that, that pretends that doesn't happen. And I realize most churches now have recognized the value of honesty and transparency and so I appreciate that. So we're just going to talk real for a minute. I know you have loved ones in your life that battle addictions. And I know that you, out of love and compassion, when they struggle, you want to help them. And so you pull them into your home. And I'm not saying, no, 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 never give them a place to stay. But can I give you a better plan? When you invite them, come and stay with me. Tell them, but here's the boundary. 90 meetings in 90 days. The first day that you miss a meeting, I need you to move out. So, Ron, that is, that is so incredibly harsh. Miss one meeting and move out? Friends, other than getting their appendix out, 90 meetings in 90 days, first time they miss, tell them, pack up, you're moving out. So, Ron, that, that is just, that's a, that's a draconian response. That means really harsh for those of you doing your, looking it up. I felt all of a sudden your phones turn on to dictionary.com, and so I just thought I'd save you the trouble. Yeah, like I didn't notice that. Okay. Ron, that, that is so harsh. No, it's not. It gives them the opportunity to choose for themselves where everything you've tried in the past, you're choosing for them. You're going to go get help here. You're going to take this step. You're going to, to go here. And you try and make the choices for them only to see them go and do it for you. Go and do it time after time, each and every time, returning right back to the same problem. Friends, I'm talking about setting boundaries that give them a choice but also clearly communicate that you have a choice as well. Look at the second step. Roman numeral two, express your love. Express your concern. 
and express your hope that they'll make a good choice. In other words, don't say it angrily, well, I need you to do this. No, I'm saying express that you love them. I love you with all my heart. I really want the best for you. And I am praying that you will make a good choice here. In other words, you're done making choices for them. But you're going to be the one who makes choices for you. Look at the next one, Roman numeral three. Then we let them choose by word or action. Then accept their choice without anger. I'm not saying you have them move out yelling and screaming. No, just the opposite. You say, I feel disappointed. I love you so very much. Well, can I stay? No, you still have to go. I just want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I wish the very best for you, but I'm not willing to continue to be controlled by your choices, even as I know that my choices can't control you. Look at the last one there. Roman numeral four. This brings freedom for them and for you. Now, don't misunderstand. I don't think any of this is easy. You see, that's, that's the difficulty of sermons, is somehow you communicate the right way is the easy way. Absolutely not. I understand how very difficult this is. I understand that this is heart-wrenching, that this is gut-wrenching, that to draw these boundaries and you begin to make choices for yourself and allow their choices for them it is one of the most difficult things that you will ever do. Allowing the immature person to be responsible for their own decisions, it, it, it's an incredibly difficult thing. It makes your heart hurt. That's how I know your motive is right, but your methodology is wrong. Your heart hurts, but yet you keep returning to the same hurt time after time. You are living trapped in a pattern, and as long as I am reaching back, trying to be something I'm not, and trying to control others instead of entrusting them to God, I remain trapped here, and I can't reach forward for the best next that Christ has for me. Number three, refuse to settle for going back to what's familiar. I'd started to put the word easy in there, but it's not easy. Refuse to settle for going back to what's familiar. Pray for the very best next that God has for you. Put your notes aside for just a minute. Here's the fundamental problem. Let's come back to the scripture. The fundamental problem is Psalms 139 teaches us that God knows us, that God created us uniquely. In fact, go ahead and turn to the person on your right and look at them. Then say, yep. God created each person uniquely. Go ahead. I mean uniquely. And man, God has this sense of humor. <laughs> Refusing to live as someone you're not is honoring the fact that God knows you and that God created you uniquely and there are paths that lead to great fulfillment. And there are other paths that you will continually trudge along, feeling the weight, feeling that time is dragging, feeling like the day will never end, feeling like there is little hope for the future. It's because you've gone down a path that God didn't create you for. I realize we all have to have some of those paths just out of necessity from time to time. Sometimes we make genuine sacrifices for the kingdom of God, for the church. We make those for a season. But God does not call us to live our entire lives 
on that wrong path or in continual sacrifice. No, God created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and there are environments where you can thrive because you are in alignment with the Creator. But this second pattern is much more difficult. This second pattern makes our hearts hurt. This second pattern requires us to do something really tough. It requires us to trust God more than we trust ourselves. Now, I know most of you are probably Christ followers, and so you say that. You say, well, Pastor Rodden, you know, I want to trust God. and You know, I want to trust Him with my business until there's a problem, in which case you and I are going to jump in and fix it. Well, you know, Pastor Ron, I want to trust God with my marriage. Yeah, until there's a problem, and then God, you know, I I don't really have time. I've got to go take care of this problem. When there's a problem with our kids, there's a problem with our finances. You see, we trust God oftentimes right up until the point there's a serious problem, and then God might be busy. God might be, he might not be up to the task, so he sends you or I into the game But the truth of the matter is he doesn't. We step into the game when we should be stepping back and saying, Lord, I have this hurt. I have this need. I have this loved one that I am desperately trying to change. But God, I want to trust you instead. Bow your heads with me for just a minute. I know this isn't easy. And so if I've said anything that makes it sound easy, I'm sorry. It's not. This is hard. When you love someone enough to care about their future, it's hard to step back and say, God, I'm just going to entrust them to you. It's hard to step back and say, you have to make your decisions. I can't make them for you. I can make decisions for me, but not for you. It's hard. Friends, there's only one antidote, and that is saying, Lord, I will trust you unequivocally. So we're going to go before our Heavenly Father, and for the one or two or hundred of us that have been stepping in to handle it on our own instead of trusting God, trying to fix them as though they were ours instead of God's, we're going to go before Him and we're going to we're going to repent of it. We're going to we're going to tell God we're sorry, and we're going to ask His forgiveness of that. And then we're going to ask him to give us the great courage necessary to entrust to God the things that we love more than anything else in the world, those people around us. Dear Heavenly Father, for those that are stuck in a, in a position that causes them to try and be something you didn't create them to be, Lord, I, I'm grateful for their responsibility. I'm grateful for their maturity. I'm grateful for them willingness to work to meet their obligations. But God, our prayer is that you would help them onto the path of great fulfillment. Help them onto the path that so closely aligns with who you created them to be that time rushes by and they find a sense of fulfillment that the path they're on isn't providing. And Lord, for those who are trapped in the pattern of trying to fix others, God, I pray we would see the seriousness of this that Lord we are stepping in trying to be you and Lord we're sorry Jesus please forgive us forgive us for not trusting you enough with the people around us Jesus we ask not only would you forgive us but 
we ask you to help us. Jesus, there are so many people in the church over the years that I've tried to fix. Jesus, there are so many people that I've tried to say, if you do this, if you do that, and Lord, trying to, trying to do what only you can do. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I want to share your word with them today. That in Psalms 139, you know us, you love us, you created us. Jesus, you walk with us. Lord, please help them to hear that you are trustworthy. That those people we love so much that, Lord, we can entrust them to you and you have their best interest at heart. But Lord, you are the God of all creation. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you more with that which is most precious to us. Lord, we love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen.